Chapter 18 Wake up, Carrie. Wake up. This is the worst dream yet, he told himself. It's all perfectly real, Mandy said, reading his thoughts, enjoying his struggles to free himself. Don't pull like that. You'll cut your wrists. Mandy, come off it. What's the big idea? What the hell do you think you're doing? It's just the way I imagined it, she said, smiling. She raised her hands excitedly and tugged at the sides of her hair. I can't believe it. I can't either, Carrie said, still struggling. Untie me. This isn't funny. Not funny? Of course it's funny, Carrie, dear. And it's going to get a lot funnier. What do you think you're doing? Could you just explain it to me? It's perfect. Perfect, she said, clapping her hands. I don't want to start. I just want to look at you like this. But I have to. I have to. Have to what? Carrie screamed angrily. Why, finish what I've started, she said, as if the answer was obvious. How did you do this to me? Carrie asked. I put a little white powder in your hot chocolate. How else? You're being very dumb, Carrie. Dumb? I'm being dumb? This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Mandy, untie me. I'm sorry, she said, still smiling broadly. I have to finish. Finish what? Are you going to explain to me? It's taken so long, so long, she said dreamily, not hearing his yells of protest. I've worked so hard. Worked? What? Let me go! He gave the ropes a powerful tug and then screamed as they cut into his skin. He slumped back in the chair. He decided not to struggle anymore. This is a bad joke, Mandy. I know you like to think you're impulsive and weird and everything, but... Weird? Her eyes flared angrily and she stormed back and forth, staring furiously at him. I'm not weird. Don't ever say I'm weird, Carrie. Don't ever say that. He had to laugh. Okay, fine. You're not weird. What's weird about taking a person out to a cabin in the forest, drugging him and tying him to a chair? Perfectly normal. Shut up, she screamed, spitting the words at him, her face suddenly reddening with hatred. Do you want me to explain? Okay, maybe this will explain the situation to you. She put her fingers to her nose and pinched her nose tight. Then, in a harsh, distorted voice, a voice Carrie knew well, she said, The toe bone's connected to the foot bone. The foot bone is connected to the ankle bone. No, Carrie screamed. It was you. You made all those phone calls. Give the boy a gold star, she said quietly, her eyes narrowing to slits of hatred. She turned her back as if she couldn't bear to look at him any more. But why, Mandy? Why? The ankle bone's connected to the leg bone. The leg bone's connected to the knee bone, she said furiously, her voice distorted by hatred. She began to pace back and forth again, faster and faster. It was as if the excitement was too much for her to bear in one place. Mandy, everything else, the red paint in my locker, the slashed tires. She laughed and turned to look at him. You catch on quick, Carrie, baby. Not quick enough, though. He stared into her laughing face. She didn't look like the same person. Her eyes were wild. She had pulled her hair out at the sides, so it stood up as if electrified. He tried to think of what to do, what to say to get her to release him. He had to get free. She looked crazy enough to do anything. Mandy, he said quietly. Sit down. Tell me why you're angry. Let's discuss this, like... She walked up to him and stuck her face right in front of his so that their noses touched. The toe bone's connected to the knee bone. The knee bone's connected to the neck bone. The neck bone's connected to the broken bone. Ha ha. She grabbed his head. He tried to turn away, but he couldn't. She pressed her lips against his harder, harder until he could feel the blood trickling down his chin. Then she stood up straight and slapped his face. Time to start, she said, sounding perfectly calm again. Mandy, please! She disappeared from his view. 
He strained against the ropes, but they held tight. When she reappeared, she was carrying the long wooden mallet. Time to keep my promise, she said quietly, almost absent-mindedly. She was there, holding the mallet, yet Carrie could see that she was also somewhere else, her mind a million miles away. You're nuts! Nuts! he screamed, regretting it immediately. Anger flared in her eyes again. Yell all you want. I'll enjoy it, she said, and smiled a bitter smile. Boy, oh boy, will I enjoy it. I'm sorry, Carrie said desperately. Really, I didn't mean it. Let's talk. M Mandy, please. You and I, together, we can... Yes, together, she said softly. But first, I have to keep my promise. What on earth are you talking about? What promise? To break every bone in your body. She raised the mallet to her shoulder. It was heavy, and she had difficulty balancing it. One by one. One by one. Every bone. Each and every one. But, Mandy! Carrie could tell that she was deadly serious. Why? At least tell me why. She walked over to him again, the mallet balancing precariously on her narrow shoulder. She stared down at him, the almost irisless blue eyes burning into his, her face aflame, her hair wild about her head. Carrie, you mean you don't know? No? No what? There is a long, long pause. And then she said, Amanda was my sister. Chapter 19 Amanda's sister? Carrie was practically shrieking. His heart pounded. Sweat poured down his forehead, even though the fire had died and the room had chilled. That's impossible. I don't remember. You don't remember much, do you? She screamed the words into his face. He tried to grab her, but of course he couldn't. She pulled back, her dark purple mouth twisted in hate. It was so convenient for you not to remember, wasn't it, Carrie? But I remember. I remember everything. It was an accident. I... You seem to have a lot of accidents, poor baby. Oh, how my family suffered because of your accident. How I suffered. And you, you slime, you got off scot-free, didn't you? And how did you get off scot-free? Scot-free? I... Because your old man was a cop. You got off without even a trial. Well, trial time has come, Carrie baby. I vowed I'd get justice for my sister. I vowed I'd break every bone in your body, just the way you broke hers. Now listen. I'm sure that my father didn't have anything to... Carrie realized she wasn't listening. She was beyond listening. She dropped the mallet to the floor and knelt down in front of Carrie. He kicked at her, but his foot was tied too tightly to move. She grabbed his left leg. Hey, what are you? She pulled off his left shoe. Then she grabbed the other leg and pulled off his right shoe. Breathing heavily, she pulled off his socks, her fingernails scratching his legs as she pulled them down, and tossed them into the fireplace. She stood up and retrieved the mallet. Let's start with the toe bones and work up, she said quietly. She raised the mallet. No, Carrie pleaded. Please, no, she cried out as she brought the mallet down with all her might. This time, the sound of the cracking bone was Carrie's. He screamed, a howl that poured out of him, a howl that wouldn't stop. The pain started at the toes of his left foot and shot up his left side, pain that made him howl, pain that closed his eyes, that tightened every muscle, that paralyzed him until he was nothing, nothing but a howl, a terrified, agonized howl. When he opened his eyes, she was raising the mallet again. Poor baby, she said emotionlessly. Something bad happened to your toes. Let's see what we can do to the other foot, okay? He couldn't talk, not even to plead with her. He couldn't move. He closed his eyes as she raised the mallet off her shoulder. The pain, the pain was overwhelming. His foot had become a throbbing, aching knot of pain. 
Now she was about to do the same to his other foot. What's wrong, Carrie? She called in that mocking, falsely sympathetic voice. Can't bear to look? Okay, okay. You caught me in a good mood. She reached up over the sofa and, with great effort, pulled the one-antlered moose head off the wall. She ripped the head from the base and frantically scooped out hunks of stuffing. No, Carrie managed to scream. His foot throbbed, but the pain had subsided enough for him to get his voice back. Mandy, no! She jammed the moose head over Carrie's head and pulled it down over him. It smelled of mildew and decay. He gasped. He tried to hold his breath. He twisted his head from side to side, but the moose head was pulled down securely over him, burying him in darkness and its foul odor. You look adorable, she said. I wish I had a camera. She laughed. He could hear the scrape of the mallet against the wood floor as she picked it up. He didn't have to see to know what she was about to do next. She was about to slam the mallet down on his other bare foot. The toe bones connected to the head bone. The head bones connected to the moose bone. He could hear her singing through the disgusting animal head. He shut his eyes. He tried to hold his breath. He could feel a powerful wave of nausea rise up from his stomach. Okay, Carrie, baby. Here it comes, she said happily. Chapter 20 His stomach churning, his head reeling, he waited in the darkness of the disgusting animal head, waited for the second explosion of pain. Something crawled across his forehead. It's just sweat, just sweat, he told himself, but he knew it was an insect. The moose head was probably crawling with insects. He felt as if he was about to pass out, as if he was slipping, slipping away. A loud crash revived him. It sounded like the door bursting open. No, go away, he heard Mandy yell. He heard sounds of a scuffle, feet scraping against the wooden floor, bodies colliding with furniture. Go away, go away, Mandy kept yelling, her voice a shriek in the distance on the other side of the odorous animal head. Was it Donald? Had Donald caught up to them? Had Donald come to finish off the job she had started? He strained against the ropes with new desire to escape, but it was of no use. Chairs overturned. The mallet clunked to the floor. The fireplace utensils clanged and clattered to the floor with a metallic crash. Get away from me. Go away. Stop it, Nancy. Just stop. A masculine voice, out of breath from the struggle, cried out. Was it Donald? He couldn't tell. The sound was muffled through the heavy moose head. His forehead itched like crazy. Hundreds of little feet were walking across it. Nancy? He couldn't have heard right. Let me finish, Mandy was screaming. Let me take care of him. I'll take care of him, the masculine voice insisted. Yes, it sounded like Donald. They were fighting over which of them got to mallet him to a pulp. Dishes crashed. Something heavy smashed against a window. He could hear the shatter of glass. More scuffling feet. Nancy, stop. I'll take care of him. Stop. I don't want to hurt you. Get away. Get away. Get away. Then he heard her utter a cry of pain. He heard a body hit the floor. Silence. Footsteps coming toward him. Someone was standing in front of him. He could feel a warm presence. He waited. He wanted to cry out, but he waited. Someone was standing there, standing over him, watching him. Someone lifted the moose head. The light was blinding white. The air was cold against his hot, wet skin. Donald! Carrie cried. Happy Halloween, Donald said quietly. He still held the moose head in one hand. In the other hand, he held the mallet. In the light of the cabin, his brother looked older. His eyes seemed to have narrowed, and they were circled with dark rings. He stood stooped, his head at a low angle, bone thin, his blonde hair cut short. Donald stared down at him, the mallet at his side. 
He dropped the moose head to the floor and kicked it aside. This is it, Kerry thought. Donald's big moment. He's waited a year for his revenge, and now he's about to get it. Kerry looked away and saw Mandy lying face down in front of the fireplace. He knocked her out of the way so he could get to me, Kerry thought. Donald raised a mallet. Kerry sucked in his breath. Donald tossed the mallet aside. Looks like you've been leading an interesting life, Kerry, he said, a smile slowly breaking across his face, crinkling his tired eyes. Donald, I'm... I'm sorry, Kerry blurted out. You're sorry? Donald said softly. I'm the one who's sorry, Carrie. I had no idea she'd go this far. Really. Is she... Is she... Carrie looked over at the unmoving body of Mandy. I gave her a light tap, Donald said. She'll be okay. He knelt down and began to untie the ropes around Carrie's ankles. My foot, Carrie said. The throbbing pain was almost unbearable. Looks like you've got some broken toes, Donald said, untying the last knot. I'm sorry. I tried to catch up with her. I tried to get to her in time, but each time she managed to get away. He began to rub Carrie's leg to get the circulation going. I don't get it, Carrie said, his head spinning. I wanted to catch her in a tranquil situation, Donald said, shaking his head. I thought I could talk to her, reason with her, but I was wrong. I'm sorry, Carrie. I'm real sorry. This was all my fault. I called you. I tried to warn you about her, but you hung up on me. It was an accident, Donald. I didn't mean to. I just... Why didn't you call back? Donald frowned. His eyes became sad slits. I thought maybe you and Dad didn't want to hear from me. After I nearly killed you last year, I thought maybe you didn't want me bothering you. You see, I have a lot to be sorry about. So I tried to take care of it on my own. I tried to stop her without troubling anybody. I almost did, too. Almost. He got one hand untied. Carrie tried to lift it, but the entire arm was tingly and numb. Donald went to work on a second hand. You mean that Mandy, Carrie began, struggling to make sense of things. Her name isn't Mandy, Donald said, surprised. She told you her name was Mandy? Man, oh man. He whistled, a whistle of surprise. He always whistled, a whistle Carrie hadn't heard in over a year. That's what I used to call Amanda. Her name is Nancy, Nancy Kelly. I don't believe it, Carrie said, the feeling beginning to return to his arm. Next you're going to tell me that I'm not Carrie. I'm Mary Peterson from Nome, Alaska. Yeah, that's right, Donald said, and I'm the great pumpkin. Carrie grimaced as Donald untied the last knot around his wrist. He didn't even try to move the hand. The entire arm was numb. How can she be Amanda's sister if her name is Nancy Kelly, Carrie asked. She isn't Amanda's sister, Donald told him with a bitter frown. She only thinks she is. But she told me, Carrie stopped. He didn't know what to say. His mind was flooded with a million questions all at once. She thinks she's Amanda's sister, Donald said softly. She really believes it. Nancy is a very sick girl. I didn't realize how sick, I guess. I should have stopped her sooner. I shouldn't have risked your getting hurt. I shouldn't have... Shouldn't have what? Carrie insisted. Shouldn't have told her the whole story about me and Amanda, and you and the accident. But what else was I going to talk about up in that hospital? You mean she was there too? Carrie asked. Yeah, she's been there most of her life, poor kid. She's had several different identities, none of them her own. She hides in other people's lives. She becomes other people. I told her all about the accident, why I was in the hospital, everything. I even told her about this cabin that Amanda's parents own. She remembered everything, Donald continued. She absorbed everything I told her. And I guess she just moved into the story, took a part for herself, became Amanda's sister. I was an idiot. I was lonely, so I talked to her. I told her too much. When she escaped from the hospital, I knew where she was going, what she was going to do. I knew it. 
So you decided to go after her? Carrie asked, staring up at his brother. I knew I could talk to her, bring her back safely, Donald replied, looking over at Nancy's unmoving body. So I waited till the right moment and got away. It's okay. The doctors will understand when I explain. I was going to be released in a few days anyway, so I came after her. I knew she'd be staying with a friend who lives near town. I was determined to reason with her, to bring her back safely. The whole thing was my fault. I almost got to her tonight, Carrie, but she heard me and locked me in the basement. As Donald continued his explanation, his face filled with concern and regret, Carrie saw Nancy begin to move. She struggled to her feet. Her eyes filled with hatred. She grabbed the mallet and lurched toward Donald. Did Donald see her? No. He had his back to her. He was still staring intently at Carrie, still explaining, still apologizing. Donald didn't know she was about to attack him. Only Carrie knew. Carrie didn't think his numb legs could move, but he had to try. With a desperate effort, he hurtled out of the chair, stumbled forward on aching legs, and threw himself onto Nancy. The mallet flew from her hand. Donald spun around, surprised, and stumbled backward. He killed my sister. He killed my sister, Nancy screamed over and over. Carrie grabbed Nancy and tried to hold her still. But she attacked him with her fists, pounding his chest wildly, furiously, screaming and crying. He held her by the shoulders, letting her pound him, until her blows became weak. She uttered a low cry and collapsed to the floor. Poor kid, Donald muttered, looking over at her. His foot throbbing, Carrie hopped back to the wooden chair. That was a nice tackle, Kerr, Donald said. Maybe you should try out for defense, you know, tackle or linebacker or something. I don't want to talk about football, Carrie groaned. They heard sirens in the distance. A few seconds later, the cabin was invaded by bright white headlights. The sirens were right outside. Here comes the cavalry to the rescue, Donald said. You mean? Carrie started in surprise. I called Dad just before I came after you. Told him I was heading up here following you. Looks like we're about to have a happy family reunion. Carrie smiled. He even forgot about his shattered foot for a few seconds. Donald picked up the moose head and tossed it at Carrie. Here, Carrie, quick, put this back on. Dad has such a dull life. Let's give him a thrill. A few days later, Carrie was heading out of school, struggling with his crutches, his arms aching from pulling and pushing them. He bumped into Sal Murdoch on his crutches. Copycat, Sal sneered. Get a horse, Carrie replied. It wasn't too original, but it got a laugh out of Sal. Hey, Gimp, over here, a voice called. It was Josh, gesturing to Carrie on the sidewalk in front of the main entrance. Carrie hurried over to him as best he could, getting his right leg tangled in his right crutch and nearly falling face forward onto the walk. I thought maybe you could carry my books for me, Josh said. Very funny, Carrie growled, kicking at Josh with his good foot. Want a lift? Sure, Carrie said. Well, don't look at me. You know I don't have a car. You're a million laughs today, Josh, Carrie said, leaning on his crutches. Don't you ever get tired of that joke? Don't you ever get tired of falling for it? Well, listen, Carrie, I wonder if you could do me a favor. No way, Carrie said, grinning. Well, my cousin Sarah is coming to town this weekend. She isn't fabulous or anything, but she's a good kid and she's kind of pretty. I thought you might like her. I was wondering if maybe you'd like to... I don't believe this, Carrie said, raising a crutch in the air as if to brain Josh with it. A blind date? Are you seriously suggesting a blind date? Well, Josh backed away. I see your point. I guess not. Sorry about that. Uh, some other time. Sorry. He turned and started running down the block. Hey, wait. Josh! Carrie propelled himself after Josh, hopping on one leg, raising and lowering the crutches in front of him. Wait, not so fast. 
Let's discuss this. How pretty did you say she was? This has been a Nightfall Audiobooks production of Blind Date by R.L. Stein, a point horror novel, book one. Wow, that was Blind Date. That was R.L. Stein's first book. I read in an interview once that he was meeting with one of his friends, and she said something like, I can't write young adult horror, and he goes, I can do it. And next thing he knows, his publisher calls him up and says, Okay, the title is called Blind Date. Go ahead and do it. And he's like, Okay. And this started his career in horror. So he did some point horror stuff. Then Fear Street launched, and we all know how successful Goosebumps was. This book was really good. It took a really, really long time for Mandy slash Nancy to make her plan known. I didn't know what she was doing. When she called Carrie at the end there and she said, look, Donald's in the basement, I thought that was a bunch of crap. I was like, there's no way he's in the basement. When we finally meet Donald at the end there and he's untying Carrie, he says, she got me locked in the basement. I was like, really? How did she do that? If you know this girl, you know that she's a mental patient. Why did you go in the basement with her and how did she, what did she do? How did she get you down there? How did she lock you up? Anyway, the characterization was really good. Josh was great. He was funny when he needed to be. The bullies were extremely brutal. This is not usual Stein fare in that Carrie went to his family for help. His dad is a cop. He says, you know, we're going to help out. The principal got involved and he said, we are going to figure this out together. That's not what usually happens in Fear Street. In Fear Street, the person usually shoulders the burden by themselves, like in a cheater, Carter Phillips. Didn't want to tell her parents she was being blackmailed, so she started pawning off all her stuff. She was afraid that they would disapprove of her cheating on her test, so she took matters into her into her own hands. That's what people usually do on Fear Street novels. They usually shoulder the responsibility by themselves, and they don't seek any outside counsel. This was R.L. Stein's first novel. It was a lot of fun to read. Honestly, I sat down for the past hour and a half and just punched this this out. I had to re-record chapter 7 because I used the wrong microphone. It used my laptop's mic, not my blue snowball mic. So I sat down this morning, recorded chapter 7 again, and then chapter 17 through 20. So I finished the book this morning. This was great. If you want excellent R.L. Stein, this is a great book to pick up. I recommend it. Highly recommend this book. It keeps you guessing until the very last second, and that's what he's really, really good at. The twists and things don't really come into play in this book. He didn't figure out that formula yet. The cliffhangers at the end aren't, you know, really prominent is what I'm trying to say. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. If you want to get in touch with me, you can write me an email, nightfallaudiobooks at gmail.com. I am also on YouTube at Nightfall Audiobooks. Feel free to like, subscribe, comment, tell your friends, tell your mom, tell whoever you think would like to listen to me, read to them R.L. Stein novels. Thank you very much for listening, and I will see you next time.